see tonight, God sure likes Sunday night Christians. He doesn't have many of them anymore, but he sure likes them when he can get them. And so I'm delighted that you're here. I'm excited about being here. And it's always a delight to come to Foothills uh, Family Church and, and Mike and Beth Webb are dear friends. And, you know, I just appreciate them and honor them for just standing faithful all these years and planning a Word of Faith church and then not changing. You know, I've gone to a lot of places where they change. Hey, I go there one time and there's this, and I go another time and they're that, and another time and there's something else, and it's hard for me to keep up with what they believe, but uh, it's always, I always know what you guys believe. And I'm always glad to come here and, <clears throat> yeah, go ahead, give them a hand. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank God for people that'll stay by the stuff and will not compromise and not change and preach the word of God. You know, way back when we were, uh, I don't know how you'd word this, way back when we were, I hate to say creating the word of faith because God created I mean, God lived the word of faith whenever, before he ever built the earth. But back when we were uh, building, I guess, this particular movement that started back in the late 60s and <clears throat> on into the 70s and 80s and 90s, and here we are. Um, you know, uh, I, I just felt like that if you, if you believe the Bible, you were word of faith. If you believe what God said, you were word of faith. I believe confession wasn't a big hard thing. It was just saying what God said. That seemed normal to me to say, well, God said it. God said this, God said this, God said you're healed, God said you're blessed, God said you're prosperous. If God said it, I agree with it. And so it never was a problem with me, but it sure is a problem with a lot of people. And, uh, and, and over the years, I've preached for churches and pastors that were, were at one point strong word of faith and uh, churches, and then I go back and they're not anymore. And, and uh, <clears throat> I, I never even understand how you could leave or lose uh, that if you really believed it in the first place. So what I've come to believe and come to think is that probably those pastors that started out that way but then changed, probably they just never got it. Uh, probably they just heard it, they saw it, they saw it drew a crowd, they saw it was popular, they saw that people liked it, and uh, they thought if they could preach that, then you know that it, it would help the church and bless the church. And then whenever they had a crisis or a problem and they couldn't handle it, uh, and, and, and they thought the word didn't work. That's not true, but they thought it didn't. Uh, then they turned to something else. But I, I don't think they ever really got what you and I would call the word of faith. And I, I know that you guys did get it and sticking with it, and I appreciate you for sticking with it. And uh, we're certainly going to stick with it. And uh, Jesus said in Luke 18, Father, when, I, uh, when, I come, when the Son of Man comes back to earth, will he find faith? And I've always thought that was interesting. He didn't say, will I find grace? He's not going to be looking for grace. Will I find love? He's not going to be looking for love. Will I find peace? Will I find mercy? No, he said he was concerned that he might not find faith. And he said when he comes back, he's going to be looking for faith. And will I find faith when I return? I've always told him, yes, sir, you just look for me wherever I'm at. I may be in India or Africa or somewhere else. Well, you, you find me and you'll find faith. Amen. Because we believe, we believe in the word of faith, believe in faith, believe in the word of God. Amen. And I know you do too. And I'm always excited and honored to be here uh, at, the, at the church. Praise the Lord. And uh, I mean, I'd preach without an offering. You know, I'm, I just, I'm happy, to, I'm happy to preach and happy to, happy to be here in this church. Amen. Renee, you've got a word to say, come greet the people and say something tonight. And then we'll get right on into this. And, and do you guys still have that little stand that I can just go right out here? Some of you guys, Bill or somebody, <clears throat> if you don't, it's okay. Hmm? Just a little stand, little, you know, so I can walk out here. 
Hallelujah. We, we can take the pulpit, I guess. Well, I, I, um, I just wanted to greet you tonight and just tell you how proud heaven is of you and that you change the atmosphere of this part of the world because you are the salt and light of what God is counting on. He has such respect and value for your life, and he expects you to continue to influence everything around you and to change the atmosphere that when you show up, the glory of the Lord shows up. I, I, I want to hurry up here because I know many of you may have come for hands to be laid on you tonight or have for healing in your bodies. And you know God's in the healing business 24-7. Uh, he doesn't have just a healing service. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That heaven doesn't just call a healing service once a month or once a week, but healing is available from heaven 24-7. My strength and my help comes from the Lord. His mercies are new every morning, so that means the promises of God are available to us every single day, and we don't have to call a special service for it. But you know what? Down here on earth, uh, you, you have a life to live, and you've got places to go and children to raise, family to take care of. And so the church offers that on special opportunities for you to come and receive. Isn't that wonderful? God just doesn't want anybody sick. He doesn't want anybody in pain. And I looked at this scripture tonight. Um, Terry asked me if I was going to sing or something, but I, um, I know it's kind of complicated getting back and forth from keyboards and you've got things all set up, but, um, I looked at Psalm one at Psalm 28. What an amazing scripture. How many of you have ever noticed that in the word in the Bible, the word strength is capitalized a capital S and in Psalm 28 verse seven, it says the Lord is my strength and my impenetrable and the world word shield is capitalized there. And he says, my heart trusts and relieves, uh, relies and confidently leans on him. I am helped. Everybody say, I am helped. I am helped. That's why Terry is here tonight. That's why we're here. That's why Pastor Mike keeps the doors open and he preaches to you every single week because, <laughs> you know, God wants you to get help. That's Everybody right. say, I am helped. I am helped. When you show up, you get help. Is that wonderful? And he says, therefore, my heart, and I confess this tonight for myself, therefore, my heart greatly rejoices with my song, I will praise him. I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. How about you? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. And if it had not, oh, been for Jesus, where would I be? I'm so glad that the Lord saved me. <laughs> I sing that song probably every day to myself because I have to stir myself up to have strength to do what God's called us to do in these last days. Isn't that wonderful? He's a wonderful Jesus, bright morning star, lily of the valley, that's who you are. I'm so glad I know you. Aren't you glad you know Jesus? What a wonderful blessing. Oh, yes, I do. Wonderful Jesus. Oh, Lord, thou art so true. We picked a God that tells the truth. And he doesn't lie. And he's always there to minister to us. So this song, this verse says, therefore, with song, I will praise him. And you know, if you don't think you sing well, just make a joyful noise. Because it appears to me 
that heaven will accept both, <laughs> a joyful noise and a song to the Lord, to the rock of our salvation, that when we praise Him and when we honor Him and when we glorify Him, heaven pays attention. Isn't that wonderful? And so when we come to Him and we minister to Him and we give our time to the Lord, even Malachi chapter 4 says that, uh, chapter 3 says that when we talk about Him and when we mention Him, heaven keeps a record of our conversation about Him. And that is such a holy, sacred thing. And so when you come into the house of the Lord and you come to hear the Word of God and you come to receive from God and pull from the anointing and pull from the man of God, then God is heaven takes notice of that. And like Terry was saying, God's looking for faith. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, just looking for an opportunity. He wants to show himself strong. And do it through the people of God. So I commend you for your life given to the Lord Jesus. I, I stand in, in honor of what God is doing in this particular church. And we are so grateful and so thankful. Because I tell you what, God it pays attention when we are grateful and when we are thankful. Amen. God bless you tonight. And I, I look at all these notes Terry's got here. And uh, I know it will be good. So you all enjoy and get ready to receive from you the think Lord. think it may take till midnight, right? <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Well, stand up with me. Second Chronicles chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. I, I love this scripture, and I'm always believing for it to take place in our midst. It says, As it came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound, to be heard in the praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Isn't that a great scripture? I just believe every time I go in to preach, I'm just believing for that to happen. That the glory, you know, that's the original smoke machine. Yeah. <clears throat> Amen. God had the original smoke machine. And I'm not, I'm not against the store-bought ones, but man, God had the original one that filled the place with a cloud, with a fog, with a, with a smoke that uh, the priest couldn't even stand up to minister because of the reason of the cloud for the glory. Say glory. glory. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for ministering to us by your spirit. Thank you for the healing the tangible healing anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts fallen in the house tonight in the name of Jesus to heal, to cure, to make well, and the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. Whatever yoke of bondage be represented in this house tonight, your word tells us in Isaiah chapter 10 that the anointing destroys, destroys, destroys. The yoke of it doesn't, just, it doesn't just make it feel bad. It doesn't just bend it. It doesn't break it. It destroys the yoke of bondage. So whether it's that yoke is named cancer or AIDS or HIV or lupus or leukemia or whatever disease, whatever Latin name doctors may have placed on it, whatever it is, it bows its knee to the name of Jesus and the anointing destroys the yoke in the name of Jesus. Father, it may be a marital problem. It may be a business yoke, a marital yoke, a family yoke. Destroy it tonight. I pray for the destroying anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts to fall in this place and destroy the yoke of bondage.
to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Write these scriptures on the tables of our heart and cause us to go from here declaring the word of God in our mouth and causing the word of God to work for us everywhere we go in the name of Jesus. Father, I believe people will be able to take this word tonight and these scriptures tonight to people that are in the hospital and let them play it over and over and over and it'll bring miracle, miracle, miracle to incurable diseases, healing and raise people up from their deathbeds to heal people in Jesus' name. We thank you for it and give you the glory and the honor and the praise, the majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. Well, you can be seated. This young man over here on the front row next to Renee is Jason Gatlin, very dear friend of mine. His dad, Kenny Gatlin, his mom, Brenda, pastor of Great Church in Torrance, and, and he's got two brothers, and, and uh, they're just all in the ministry together. And, and uh, he's about to embark out on a brand new ministry. Do people know what you're doing, or am I letting the cat out of the bag? Okay, he and his wife got to be God. He and his wife are about to go to Longview, Texas. Now, 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 now listen, you're leaving Torrance, California and going to Longview, Texas. I've been to Longview lots of times and uh, uh, going to start a church. So uh, pray for them. When you think about them, pray for them. Pray for them when you don't think about them. If you pray for them, you will think about them. And uh, I tell you, my hat's off to them, and my, my prayers are to them, and they're uh, going to start a church there in Longview, and Lord knows that Longview needs it. And so uh, we're excited about your new endeavor, you and Jessica and the babies. Praise the Lord. How many kids do you have, 13, 14? Six. Six. I knew it was a bunch. He and Jessica have six kids, and they're just, you know, teenagers themselves. So uh, they're going to take that whole crew and go to Longview, Texas. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, y'all ready to get into this? I'm going to give you some scriptures tonight, and I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures tonight. I don't think you're probably going to be able to take notes. You probably aren't going to be able to write that fast. You may just need to watch it on the church's uh, Facebook feed or get the CD or whatever. But uh, I am going to give you a lot of word tonight because I really believe this is something God put on my heart years ago to use this. And, and, and to give it to people that are in, uh, that are in hospitals. I'm not sure our office, our office even produces it anymore, but if they don't, they should. I don't think I've seen it around. There are, there's product back there on the table, but I don't, I don't think I've seen this message back there uh, for a while. So sometimes you get a new crew in and a, a, a message will drop off that somebody thought might not need to be done anymore. This one certainly uh, does need to be done. Amen. Um, <clears throat> as I said, Isaiah 10, 27 tells us that the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing. There's not any disease, any sickness that, uh, that is impossible to God. God's never met his first impossible case, but it's the anointing that's going to destroy that. Amen? Our job is to tap into the anointing or to tune into the anointing or to connect with the anointing and cause that anointing to minister to us. And, you know, a lot of times I pray uh, in churches, I'll pray... Uh, uh, what we call a mass prayer, or I'll just pray one prayer over everybody uh, instead of laying hands on people. Now, in America, I'll, I will lay hands on people in America sometimes simply because American Christians demand it because American Christians the church in America have just gotten married to laying on hands. That, that's not the only method for healing. There's lots of methods for healing in the Bible. Uh, that's just one method that Jesus said, lay hands on the sick in the, in the name of Jesus and they'll recover. But there's lots of other methods. Jesus spit on people too, so we could have a spitting service tonight. Uh, he also spit on the dirt and made mud out of it and made it anointed and wiped it on blind eyes and they were opened. 
uh, he also had just the shadow of Jesus passing by them, they were healed. Uh, the shadow of Peter passing by them, they were healed. Uh, so we could have a shadow service tonight. Uh, uh, other times, they, they, the little woman just said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then later on, they just begged him. Uh, they brought sick people to him and begged him that they could just touch his clothes, and they were healed when they touched his clothes. So there are lots and lots of methods. And then there's also just speaking the word. Romans 8 tells us a Roman centurion had a servant and he was sick and Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal him. And he said, no, you don't have to do that. Uh, I, I understand military authority. I recognize what's going on. I recognize the authority that you operate in. And he said, it's just like me in the military. I operate in that same authority because I'm, I'm a centurion. And I say to this soldier, go, and he goes. And that soldier, come, and he comes. And I tell this soldier to do something, and he does it. And he's because he said, when I speak, it's like Caesar speaking. I'm under authority. I'm a man under authority. And so, therefore, I'm a man in authority. And he said, I recognize that in you. That that's how you're healing these sick people because you're a man under under authority and because you're a man under authority you're a man in authority so you don't need to go to my house just speak the word only and my servant will be healed and so Jesus just spoke the word only and the guy was completely healed and then also in all those big mass meetings that Jesus had where he had 5,000 10,000 20,000 who knows how many thousands and thousands the Bible doesn't always tell us how many there was just said there was a great multitude and it says and he healed them all well, for him to have healed them all, uh, there's no way he could have mathematically, no way he could have laid hands on them all. So we know that he just prayed a mass prayer over them or didn't, maybe didn't pray at all. He just spoke the word over them. Actually, the Bible never tells us to pray for the sick. I know that's disappointing to all of us church people, but the Bible never ever tells us to pray for the sick. Jesus just simply said, lay hands on them. Amen, Amen Brother Terry, that's a good word. Well, I know, but... You know, the church doesn't always know that, that the Bible never tells us to pray for the sick. Somebody comes along always, and now, Brother Terry, Jesus prayed for that blind guy twice. I know he didn't even pray for him once. He laid hands on him twice, but he didn't pray for him at all. They brought Jesus the blind guy, and Jesus just put his hand on the guy, and the anointing went into the guy, and then he took his hand off, and the guy had a miracle. It wasn't complete. It wasn't 100%, but he, in fact, had a miracle. The guy could see. And Jesus said, how do you see? And he said, I see men, but they're like trees walking. And so Jesus just simply laid hands on him again. And more anointing went into him. And he said, now how's that? And he said, 2020. <laughs> Amen. And so we, we, we kind of need to understand and see the anointing uh, kind of like you do with a, with a car, uh, a, a car battery. You know, all of us know that, well, maybe the, maybe the kids today don't know this sound, but all of us older folks, we, we know the sound when you get in a car and you turn the key and it goes, and the battery's dead. And so we go get another battery or get a car to jump it with or get a charger and we put the cables on, we connect the positive to the positive, the negative to the negative, and we let... We let power or charge, or in our case, anointing, go into that dead battery. And then sometimes we don't leave it long enough. Sometimes we think, okay, it's probably charged now. And so we take the cables off and we start to start the car. And it goes, and so we plug it in again. So I'll wait longer this time. And so we wait till that thing gets full of charge or full of juice. And then we turn the key and it works. Amen. Well, that's exactly what happened with that blind guy and Jesus. They brought that guy to Jesus and the guy was blind. So Jesus just plugged in. He just tapped in. He just, he just put the charge on him. Isn't that right? 
And so he took it off a little too soon, evidently. And uh, so then Jesus said, okay, now how's your vision? He said, man, great, I can see. It's a miracle. I just see men as trees walking. It's not plain. And Jesus just thought, oh, well, I didn't leave it on there long enough. I didn't charge him long enough. So he just put the chargers back on him and charged him up real good and got him full of juice. And he said, now how's that? He said, that's great, man. That's 2020. And so we, we, we are told by Jesus to lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, and they'll recover. I'm not opposed to praying for the sick. I do it all the time. I'm going to do it tonight. I'm just saying the Bible never tells us to do that. Isn't that right? And every, if you go read the miracles that Jesus did, you read Matthew, you read Mark, Luke, read Luke, read John, every miracle that Jesus did, he either touched people or he spoke to people or he did both, touched them and spoke to them. But he never prayed for any of them. You remember the little lady that's all bowed over for 18 years, could no wise lift herself up in Luke chapter 8? The Bible says when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. So we don't know how, how bent over she was. I've seen those ladies all over the world, and I've prayed for those ladies all over the world, and I've seen God straighten their backs all over the world. And, uh, and, and they do the same thing she did. It says whenever she was healed, it says she immediately glorified God. I've seen those ladies go from this position to just, they just go, they don't stop here. They just go straight on up and just praise God. For their healing, but but when Jesus saw her, he said uh, he said uh, come here. He called her to him. So we know that she was. Uh, we don't know how bowed over she was. We know she was still ambulatory because she could walk. Because he said come here, and she did. But you know, some she was bent. However much she was bent, and had to walk around that way the last eighteen years. And so when Jesus called her to him, she walked up to him, and it says that he uh, said, "Woman," he spoke to her. "Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity." Spoke to her. Then he laid his hand on her. He did both. And it says, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Amen. And then whenever the, whenever the preachers didn't like it and the church people didn't like it and they got mad about it because he had healed somebody on the Sabbath day, he told them they were all hypocrites. And then he made this powerful statement about this little lady. And I want to make the powerful statement to you all tonight as well. He said, this woman... Being a daughter of Abraham. Now, Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't shed his blood yet. He hadn't paid for her healing with his blood yet. But she still had an Abrahamic covenant. She still had a covenant, Old Testament covenant with Almighty God, that because she was a daughter of Abraham, she had the absolute right to be healed. And that's what Jesus said to them. He said, this daughter being a daughter, this woman being a daughter of Abraham, ought to be healed. She ought to be healed. She ought to be healed from the bondage of Satan on this Sabbath day. Now, he said it was the bondage of Satan that made her sick. He didn't say God made her sick. He said, oh, my, my, look what God did. God bent this woman over. God, God uh, tormented her and bent her over just so he could heal her, just so he'd get to go. No, no, no. He said the devil's done this. And he said, and she's a daughter of Abraham. She has the right to be loose. She ought to be loose. She has the right to be loosed. Now, that ought to get you healed tonight without any other scriptures. Galatians 3.29, Galatians 3, the, last, the, the, the last chapter of Galatians 3 says that if you belong to Christ, how many of you belong to Christ? If you belong to Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, that's the best news you heard all day. I know the Rams won, but still, that's the best news you heard all day. Even the Cowboys won. That's still the best news I heard all day. You ought to be loosed. 
you have the right to be loosed. You're a daughter of Abraham. You're a son of Abraham. You have absolute right, and the devil has no right whatsoever to keep you sick or keep you down, but because you're a child of God, because you belong to Jesus, because you're a daughter of Abraham, a son of Abraham, you have absolute right to be healed and to be blessed and to have all the blessings of Almighty God. Isn't that great? That's an Old Testament blessing. You know, Pastor Mike, I've discovered in the last uh, several years, you know, a lot of churches and a lot of my friends even have, have kind of gotten away from faith and they've kind of gone to grace. Nothing wrong with grace except when you pervert it. Nothing wrong with faith except when you pervert it. Nothing wrong with love except when you pervert it. Nothing wrong with anything in the Bible except you, when the church perverts it and goofs it up, then it gets wrong. And so people have gone and they've messed up grace. Not, the church will get it back. She always does. She always gets out of the ditch and comes back, thank God. But, but you know, there's a lot of goofy stuff going on nowadays uh, in the, and, and tagged, uh, tagged with grace. And, and those people always tell you that they don't like the Old Testament. And they always yell that it's law. And they don't like law. They hate law. But, you know, uh, the Old Testament's pretty good stuff. And I notice that those same people that tell me that, Brother Terry, we don't like the Old Testament. I notice that they confess all the blessings of Psalms 91. And I notice they confess out of Isaiah that by his stripes we're healed. And I notice that they just confess that God gives me the power to get wealth out of Deuteronomy. I just notice they quote a lot of Old Testament scriptures when they have to do with blessing them and helping them and making them rich or making them healthy, or making them well, or giving them babies, or giving them whatever else they need, they don't mind the Old Testament at all. But then if you ever preach something out of the Old Testament, they say, oh, that's law, that's law, that's law. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm not really against law. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, I know we're not under the law of the Old Testament. But, you know, every law isn't the law of the Old Testament. Right. You know, I'm a pilot. I have to deal with the law of gravity. Isn't that right? The law of direct gravity is there, and it's always waiting to kill you. The law of drag is always waiting to kill you. And every pilot, every time he gets in an airplane, he has to put positive laws into effect, the law of thrust and the law of lift, in order to override those two negative laws, drag and gravity. And if he doesn't override those two negative laws, they, he has not done away with them. They're always there to kill you. But yet you can take two higher laws and override those two lower laws and you can go from point A to point B and take passengers with you or cargo with you. Just fly like a bird. But it's all by laws. And you can't just get up there and say, you know what, I don't think I like laws. I think I'm going to turn the motor off. I think I'll just shut this engine down because after all, I don't believe in law. And so the law of gravity is not going to bother me. Oh, honey, law of gravity is about to bring you down. The law of drag is going to help it. Isn't that right? You know, how would you like to go downtown L.A. or Houston or Miami or Chicago when, someday when there's no law? And no, not a policeman anywhere. No, no, no working stoplights. All the stop signs are taken down. It's just the law of, of the fittest. It's just survival of the fittest. It's just, it's just whoever's the strongest can beat up on little kids and beat up on the old people. And just the, just the young, strong guys can run everything. Because that's what would happen without laws. And that's what people have done when they've perverted the, the, the message of grace 
and tried to say, oh, the Old Testament's just law. No, no, no. The Old Testament's a wonderful, wonderful place I run to all the time. I quote it. I confess it. Renee just read to you out of Psalms a while ago how great that was. Well, that's Old Testament, but that's not law. <laughs> My dear friend Lester Summerall used to always say, people would come to him and say, say Brother Summerall said, uh, Jesus, Jesus did away with the law. And he said, huh, Lester's pretty gruff. And uh, he'd put his hands behind his back and he'd say, hmm, which one did he do away with? And they'd say, oh, that's okay, Brother Summerall. No, 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 no. You said he did away with the law. Which one did he do away with? Thou shalt not kill? It's okay to kill now? Well, no, sir, it's not okay to kill. Well, that's what you said. It's okay to steal? Well, no, sir, it's not okay to steal. It's okay to commit adultery? Well, no, sir, no, sir, it's not. That's, that's, that's not. Well, which one did you do away with? Because if you'll read all ten of them, he didn't do away with any of them. They just don't have anything to do with your salvation. Are you here? You can't do works and fulfill the law to get saved. Because that's a free gift of God or the grace of God. Amen. We are saved by Grace and that by what? Faith. Are y'all here? Well, let me get off of that. I'm liable to teach you something good if I don't watch out. Um, healings and miracles are God's invention and God's idea that were never intended for us to have because God intended for us to live in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, there were no healings and there were no miracles because there were no sickness, was no sickness and was no disease. Isn't that right? God had no intention whatsoever of you ever getting sick so he didn't have any healing for you. God didn't intend for you to get killed. God didn't intend for you to get demon-possessed. God didn't intend any of that kind of stuff. He just, he just put you in the garden, put Adam and Eve in the garden and expected them to stay there. <laughs> and then he'd come down every day in the cool of the day and walk, hold them by the hand and tiptoe to the tulips together and just bask in the Shekinah presence of God and just be blessed. Amen. But you know, isn't it odd that Eve, isn't this really odd that Eve could be dissatisfied? You would think if you live in the Garden of Eden you, and God's coming down every day and walking and talking with you, you wouldn't think you'd be dissatisfied. But you know, there's something in her she just wanted more. So when the devil came to her and said, hey, you know, if you just get this over here, you'll be, you'll be better off. And she's dissatisfied. Lucifer was dissatisfied, wasn't he? Man, he's the number four guy in heaven. He's the praise and worship leader. I, I, I mean, evidently from what they tell us that when he... When he, when he talked when he breathed music just came out of him but he wasn't happy wasn't satisfied he wanted more and he said I've got an idea I'll rise up over the sides of the north and overthrow the great king and I'll be God there's something to be said about being satisfied and being happy with what God gave you and not being dissatisfied and always looking around for something else. Renee and I tell people all the time, and especially we tell praise and worship leaders this all the time, remember the only person that ever got kicked out of heaven was a praise and worship leader. <laughs> so keep in mind, anybody can get in trouble. Are you here? 
But God never puts healings uh, in the Garden of Eden, never put miracles in the Garden of Eden because there was no sickness and disease in the Garden of Eden. But whenever, whenever Adam sinned, Eve turned to her husband with her. He was the only still with her. When he sinned, then sold out, sold the title deed to the devil and sin came and sickness came and disease came. Then God counteracted those things with healings and miracles. Isn't that great? As soon as the devil brought sickness and disease in, God said, I'll counter that with miracles. See, we, we, were never, we were never intended to deal with that kind of trauma. We, we were never intended to deal with death. You know, when we have to bury a loved one, it's a trauma that God never intended for us to have to deal with because he never put that in the Garden of Eden. You know, I've buried a son. I've buried a wife. You're not supposed to bury your son. You're not supposed to bury your kids. And uh, you're, not, you're not supposed to deal with that kind of trauma. But the devil brought death into the equation. And whenever he brought death into the equation, then God started bringing the counteracting of those things into the world. So healing and miracles are God's plan and God's purpose and God's desire to counteract the devil's plan of disease and sickness and so on and so forth. Are you here? All right, so I read to you Second Chronicles. That when, we, when we get together and start praising the Lord and saying he's good, his mercy endures forever, the place can get so full and so filled with the cloud that the glory of the Lord has filled the house of God. Now, a number of years ago, Mike, you may remember this, that a bunch of preachers, even some friends of mine, uh, well-respected, well-known ministers, that, that you all know who they are, but may, have, may have their CDs and tapes at your house. But they got on a prosperity kick to where they start, this one particular preacher, good friend of mine, started preaching that every time you see the word glory in the Bible, it means money. It means prosperity. And uh, he began to teach that and teach that and teach that. So I took him out to lunch and uh, told him he was out to lunch and told him that was not right, that was not correct, that was not the Bible. And, uh, and this is one of the scriptures I brought to him and gave to him. I said, I said it says right here that, that the house was filled with a cloud, that the priest could not even stand to minister for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And I said, that doesn't mean that money fell and hit them in the head and knocked them out. It says the priest couldn't stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord came. And you said glory. Every time the word glory is in the Bible, it means money. So what you're saying is that that word glory means that money fell and hit them in the head and filled the whole house. And they couldn't stand to minister because of all the money. And he said, well, that's right. And I said, that's not right. I said, that's wrong. And you're wrong. And you're preaching that just so you can get people to give you their money. But see, we need, we need to get back to the word and understand that when God says glory... He's talking about glory. Amen? I mean, when the glory, I'd much rather have the glory fall in here than have money fall in here. Are y'all here? Acts 10, 38, God says this, that, that uh, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, not bad, doing good, and healing Adobel, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What a powerful scripture. 
That's been one of my go-to scriptures all my life. In my 50 years of third world missionary evangelism, I've taught that scripture all over the world. I've taught it in jungles. I've taught it in deserts. I've taught it in mountains. I've taught it uh, across rivers. I, I, I mean, teach the people that God is a good God, that Jesus is a good Jesus, that the Holy Ghost is a good Holy Ghost, that the devil is a bad devil. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. That says God's good, Jesus is good, the Holy Ghost is good, and the devil's bad. This sickness comes from the devil. Sickness doesn't come from God, never comes from God, never was from God, never will be from God. I've had people tell me all my life, now, Brother Terry, God put this sickness on me. I mean, I mean, when I was a kid, when I was a youth leader, they'd tell me that. Then when I was just starting out in my own ministry, they'd come tell me that. Come tell me that when I first got to the mission fields, living in Mexico. They'd come say, well, you know, God put that. I said, God did not put that on you. I remember one time I was doing a huge crusade in, uh, in the nation of Honduras. I was 25 years old, and we had 25,000 people in the crowd every night. Just, just the, the, I, I, we were having so many miracles. I mean, the anointing God was falling every night, and it was just amazing. I mean, we were just astounded at how many people were getting healed of so many different diseases. And it seemed like to us that, it seemed like to me that blind eyes were just opened. Well, it didn't seem like to me they was open every night. They were open every night, but it just seemed like to me it was, a, it was an easy thing to get blind people here. I mean, just blind eyes just pop open night after night. I mean, people would run to the platform saying, I can see, I can see. Or they'd run to the platform and say, I can hear, I can hear. I remember one lady came running to the platform. She had a baby in each arm, a toddler in each arm. There were twins, I found out later. And she's just crying and, and she's just screaming at me, they can hear, they can hear, they can hear. And she came all the way up to me and I said, what, what, what's the deal? And she said, they can hear. I said, well, I guess they couldn't hear before. No, they were born deaf. They can't hear anything. But tonight, look, they're here. Look, they're hearing. And she'd say something to them. They'd turn her head and look at her. And I'd say something to them. They'd turn and look at me. And just, just miracles and miracles and miracles. And, and blind eyes especially just were just opening. Just, in fact, I, I'm so embarrassed to even tell this story that, that one day I caught myself praying in the afternoon, we had morning services and night services, and I caught myself one, one afternoon praying, and I heard myself pray, now, Lord, we need some really good miracles tonight. We need some really big miracles tonight. And then I just stopped and heard what I said, and I thought, dear God, God's opening blind eyes every night. God's unstopping deaf ears every night. I mean, I jumped off the platform one night and jerked a guy out of a wheelchair and, and took off running with him, and he let go of me and took off running by himself, and I found out later he hadn't been out of that chair in 30 years, hadn't, couldn't walk, much less run. He ran all over the place and completely healed. Another guy, they carried him into the, into the crusade on his deathbed, dying with cancer, and, uh, and they'd just every time they'd shake his bed as they were carrying him on the bed, uh, he'd just scream in pain, and I jumped off the platform during the, during the middle of the service and grabbed his hand and jerked him up and said, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. He got up out of there and took off running. It seemed like they always run. I don't know why they always run, but they do. And he ran and ran and ran and ran and ran, came back and gave his testimony, completely healed by the power of God. And I heard myself praying, we need some good miracles tonight. Lord, we need some good miracles. When I heard myself say that, I, I just repented and <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm happy for the hangnails. I'm happy for the headaches. I'm happy for the stomach aches healed. I mean, I'm happy for anything you do. And, uh, and one day I was praying in the afternoon and there was a knock at the door and I went and opened the door and there was a lady there and she was, a, 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 well, I was 25. She was probably in her 30s. She's older than me. And, uh, and she had a little boy with her and she was wearing really thick glasses. And so uh, I said, yes, ma'am. I stepped outside the door and said, yes, ma'am, could I help you? And she said, Brother Terry, I just came by to see if you'd pray for me 
for my eyes. And I said, well, sure, I'll be happy to. I said, have you been coming to the crusade? And she said, oh, yes, oh, yes. And uh, I said, you've been seeing all the miracles? She said, oh, yes, yeah, it's wonderful. I said, you've been seeing all the blind eyes open? She said, oh, yeah, it's really, it's really, really, really wonderful. But she said, I just wonder if you'd personally pray for me and lay hands on my, on my eyes. And I said, well, sure, I'll be glad to do that. And I said, uh, I said, take your glasses off. And so she took her glasses off. And I reached my hand over to touch her to lay hands on her. And But before I could touch her, she said this. She said, this is just my cross that God put on me to bear. And I just stopped and said, whoa, 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 whoa. And I said, what did you say? And she said, this is just my cross that God's put on me to bear. And I said, well, dear sister, I can't pray for you. And she said, well, why not? She put her glasses back on. Why not? And I said, well, if God put that on you, who am I to take it off? I said, if that's the blessings of God, then you should enjoy it. If that's the blessings of God, why would you want to get rid of it? I said, now, don't you go to an eye doctor. Don't you go to an optometrist and get him in trouble with God. I said, if God put that on you, then we, you don't need, you, some, some doctor doesn't need to be messing around trying to make it better. And I sure can't pray for you to make it better. Why would you want it better? Why would you want to be healed if God put that on you? If God blessed you with this, then why would you even want it? And she just stood at me totally confused. And I said, is this your little boy? And she said, yes. I said, let me ask you a question. If he... Uh, if he disobeyed you, would you take a stick and just poke his eyes out with it? She said, I certainly would not. I said, I didn't think you would. I said, if he disobeyed you, would you take his hand and just hold it in the fire and burn him and teach him a lesson? She said, I most certainly would not. I said, I didn't think you would. I said, let me ask you one more question. Do you think you're a better mother than God is a father? And she looked at me a long time and she said, I think I understand what you're telling me. She said, God didn't put this on me, did he? I said, no, ma'am. Now we can get it off. Because, see, when you, when you as a Christian believe somewhere down in your soul, somewhere you believe that God is the author of sickness, that God puts sickness on you, that God had something to do with your sickness, that God somehow is involved with your sickness, that it's there for your good, for your help, for your betterment, uh, it's the will of God, then it's hard and many times impossible to get you healed because you're a good Christian and you want to do the will of God. And if you're convinced way down here that it's the will of God for you to be sick, then it's hard to get you to override that and go ahead and get healed because you're believing it's the will of God, which is a lie from hell to keep you sick. All sickness and all disease and all poverty were, were brewed in the cauldrons of hell. I mean, the devil had this cauldron in hell, and he stirred it and brewed it and created poverty and sickness and, 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 and death and, and disease and pain and all that. God, he, he did that for one reason and for one reason only, and that's to kill you. There's no such thing as a good disease. There's no such thing as a good sickness. There's no such thing as a good poverty. You come go with me to some countries I go to, and I'll show you real live poverty. We don't know what poverty is in America. We've got government agencies, and we've got things. You know, people are poor, obviously, but, I mean, we've got ways to help people uh, to keep them from dying from, from hunger. But you go with me, and, I mean, poverty is a killer. It'll kill them. 
It's a killer. It's a killer. It's, it's deadly. I despise poverty. I hate poverty. And God never intended for us to be poor. He intended for us to be blessed and to be prosperous. And God never intended us to be sick. He intended us to be healed. And he intended us to be well. And he intended us to be blessed. And somehow the devil snuck into the church centuries ago and convinced the church, God wants you sick and God wants you poor. Those are some of the two most famous sermons of the church, of any denomination. God wants you sick and God wants you poor. God made you sick. God made you poor. God loves the poor. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I know he loves the poor. He said he loves the poor. He wants us to bless the poor. He said the poor will have with us always. But he didn't make them poor. And he didn't want them to stay poor. He wants them to get in the word and find out how not to be poor. And he wants them to get in the word and find out how not to be sick. He wants us to win. He called us more than conquerors, not more than beggars, not more than losers. Amen? Are y'all still with me? We need to despise sickness and despise disease. I know I talked to you about this, I think the last time I was here with you or the time I was here with you before that. I know I was here with you exactly a year ago today. Uh, and, and I know we talked about uh, me being raised in West Texas around rattlesnakes and that I hate rattlesnakes. I mean, I hate them. I despise them. There's no such thing as a good rattlesnake. I've never met a rattlesnake I didn't kill. And if I met one tonight, I'd kill it tonight. And, and, I, and all my life growing up in West Texas, I mean, you go outside in the backyard, you got to watch out for snakes. And go out in the front yard, you got to watch out for snakes. And you out in the garage, you got to watch out for snakes. And one, one dear friend of mine had, actually had a rattlesnake come in his house and crawl up, his, crawl up the side of the bathroom and wrap himself around the shower curtain, around the shower rod. And then they went in there to take a shower and started to pull the curtain, and it, was, it wouldn't pull. And they looked up there, and there's this rattlesnake wrapped around the, you know, wrapped around the whole thing. I mean, I, I, I not only hate them, I have a visceral reaction to them. When I see a rattlesnake, it just makes me mad. You know, in all the years I was growing up in West Texas, I always carried a pistol under my seat uh, of the car, and every time I ever saw one going across the road, I'd just pull the car over and get that pistol out, go out and just shoot it. You know, and I I still do that today. I mean, I still, man, I I hate them. Y'all understand I hate them? Well, I feel that that same way, and you should feel that same way about cancer or leukemia, or AIDS, or any other disease that doctors have placed a Latin name on, whenever someone comes to you and says, I've got this, or I've got that, or pray for me for this, or pray for me for that, it'll just make you so mad. It'll, it'll just have a visceral reaction to where you absolutely despise it and hate it and want it dead. Not the person. We're not mad at the person. But we're mad at that disease and mad at that sickness. I, I tell you, anytime somebody says, I want you to pray for, some, for somebody, Brother Terry, with cancer, I say, bring them here. Bring them here. Man, I want to pray for them right now because I hate that disease. It's a killer. It's, it's, it's evil. It's from hell. It's not from God. It's not about God. And its job is just to sit in your body and eat you and parasite on your body until you're dead. I tell you, a number of years ago, I had to get real, real blunt with the one somebody I was praying for. They just kept telling me, "No, you know." I mean, they had this, they had this philosophy of, "I'll, I'll just leave it alone; it'll leave me alone." Well, you know, you can't do that with a rattlesnake. You can't tell, tell a rattlesnake, "Now, honey, I'll leave you alone; you leave me alone." No, no, no. His job is to bite you. You know, you don't make a pet out of a rattlesnake. You don't stick him in your pocket and reach in there and pet him every now and then. I mean, you know, don't, and don't get surprised when one of them bites you. It's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. And I, what I'm supposed to do is kill him. 
I've killed thousands of them. But I had to get real blunt with a friend of mine one time because they messing around with cancer and, and I'm trying to get them healed and they're just kind of passe and, and just kind of, they're not aggressive and they're not passionate and they're just, eh, and you know, it's all right. And, no, it's not all right. You know, and then, you know, I'd talk to them and they'd just, you know, I'll be nice to it and it'll be nice. And I said, I said, listen to me, one of you is going to die. One of you is going to die. Either the cancer's going to die or you're going to die, but you're not going to coexist together. You're not going to cohabitate. You're not just going to be neighbors and good friends and he, let him just sit in your body and be nice because he's going to eat you and parasite off of you and kill you. You see, we need to have that kind of approach to disease. That we hate it. We despise it. There's nothing, there's nothing good about disease. We don't have some disease that comes along with, oh, that's just a sweet little disease. No, it's not. No, it's not. If it's poverty or disease, it's here to kill you. And you should hate it. You should feel like it, it, like I feel about rattlesnakes. And I despise disease, and we need to attack it and come against it. And that's why God's given us all these scriptures and scriptures and scriptures and scriptures about healings and about miracles. And, and uh, uh, John 10, 10, Jesus said the thief. Jesus said this, the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. The devil's job is to steal kill and destroy he has no other job his job is to kill and steal and destroy he hates you he hates god he can't hurt god so he does the next best thing he hurts god's kids that's such a coward that's such a coward somebody that can't hurt you so they go after your kids that's a coward and that's what the devil does he can't hurt god so he goes after god's creation goes after god's kids and jesus said the thief comes only to kill and to steal and destroy. He said, now I have come to give you life and give you that abundantly. Amen. Isn't that good news? Psalm 72 verse 18 says, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. He doesn't do any bad stuff. He only doeth wondrous things. First Kings 8, 27, the heaven of heavens can't contain him. Isaiah 66, 1, the heavens, my throne, God says, and the earth is my footstool. Psalms 105 verse 37 says that when they came out of Egypt, two million Jews delivered out of Egypt. He said, not one among them was feeble. Now that's under the old covenant. That's under the old covenant, not one feeble among them. Now, anytime we see one of these movies that Hollywood produces on, on the Exodus or the, or the people of God leaving, leaving Egypt, uh, there's always sick people. They're carrying people on beds or bringing people on crutches. There's people uh, blind. There's people, all kind of situations. And you just sit there and look at that and say, uh, not one feeble among them. Not one, not one, not one. Out of two million Jews, not one feeble among them. And if there wasn't one feeble among two million in the Old Testament, yet try to go to a church that's got 50 or, 50 or 100 people in it and find people that aren't feeble. If, if they could not be feeble under the Old Testament, Paul said we had a, a better covenant now. Sounds like to me the old one was pretty good. But the one we have now is even better. And yet under the old one, two million Jews, not one feeble. Not one feeble among them. Psalms 103, verse 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all this within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
Benefit number one, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Number two, who healeth all, A-double-L, all thy diseases. All, longest word in the Bible, A-L-L, all thy diseases. He heals them all. Not some, not part, not a few. All of them. Heals them all. Number three, who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Number four, who crowns thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Number five, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed as the eagles. That's the Old Testament. Amen? We can take that Old Testament promise and read it to God and read it to the devil and say, God has has given me as I bless the Lord and tell my soul not to forget all his benefits. And here's the benefits. He heals all my diseases, heals all my iniquities, gives me good things in my mouth. You know, I've always said it gives you good things to eat and good things to say so that your youth is renewed as the eagles. Y'all can shout anytime. Psalms 107 verse 20, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What a powerful scripture that is. I think my Bible must be getting heavier. Renee was singing in the church the other day, and the microphone was up here like this, and it started doing this, and she started playing the piano, and she, she just kept going with it, and somebody would run up there, and they'd pull it back up again, so she'd stand back up, and then it... So I feel like that's what, my, what this is doing. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. How how much plainer can you get? How much better news can you get? He sent his word. Jesus is his word, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. John 1. Drop down to verse 14. And and the word dwelt among us. He became flesh and, and, and dwelt among men. His name is Jesus. The, he sent his word and del- healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Thank God we don't have to be destroyed. Hallelujah. Not by fire, not by flood, not by hurricanes, not by earthquakes, not by any of that stuff. Amen? Amen. Say so he sent his word and healed me and delivered me from my destruction. Amen. Now say that about a thousand more times. Exodus 15, 26, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Wow. I will put none of these diseases upon thee, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. The word says he blesses our bread, he blesses our water, and takes sickness from our midst. How could we possibly think God wants us sick when we've got scriptures like this that tell us the exact opposite? Genesis 17, 7, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee. Listen to this. He's talking to Abraham, but he says, and thy seed after thee in their generation for an everlasting covenant. Now, you know, if God had only said to Abraham, Abraham, I've established my covenant between me and you. Well, that'd be nice, but it wouldn't help us. Or between me and you and your seed, Isaac. Well, that'd be still nice, but it still wouldn't help us. But he said, I'll, I'll establish my covenant between me and thee and your seed after thee in their generation for an everlasting covenant. Not a three-month covenant. Not a two-year covenant. But an everlasting 
covenant. That same covenant God cut with Abraham is still good for us today. Amen. 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 Praise God. I like that. Deuteronomy 7 verse 13. He will, love, he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee and bless the fruit of your womb. Verse 14, thou shalt be blessed above all the people and there shall not be male nor female barren among you. Verse 15, the Lord will take away from thee all, A-W-L, all sickness. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man, he should lie. Numbers 28, you know, Numbers 28, or excuse me, not Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28, I know, because I know you pastor, I know you're probably very familiar with Deuteronomy 28, but Deuteronomy 28 God gives us the blessings and he gives us the curse or he gives us the blessings and then he gives us the curse of the law. And I love Deuteronomy 28 simply because it it has a long list of the curses. But don't get confused. It's not all of the curses. Now Galatians 3, starting at verse 13, 13, 14, says that that Christ hath, H-A-T-H, past tense, Christ hath redeemed us. E-D, redeemed, past tense. Hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. It doesn't say Christ is going to redeem us one day. It says Christ hath. That means already done did. It's over. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? By being made a curse for us, it says. For cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That's Levitical law. If someone hangs on a tree, it's a, they're, they're a cursed person. That's why Jesus went to the cross so he could take the curse for us. He could hang on the tree for us. He could take the curse for us. He could be the curse for us. Are are y'all here? So Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on who? The Gentiles. Now there's only two kinds of people in the whole world. There's Jews and Gentiles, Jews, Gentiles, Jews, Gentiles. There's not all these hundred thousand other different things that people talk about all the time. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. You're either a Jew or you're a Gentile. And this says that Jesus did this so that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. They were already on the Jews. The blessing of Abraham brought them on the Jews, brought the blessings on the Jew, but then we're not Jews, most of us aren't. Maybe one or two in here might be Jewish descent, but but I'm a Gentile. And so the blessing of Abraham bringing blessings on the Jews doesn't help me. I'm glad it's for the Jews. I'm glad they're taken care of, but that doesn't help me. Are y'all here? But Jesus said, the Bible says, Galatians says that Jesus took the curse, became a curse for us by being made a curse for us that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. All you Gentiles say amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Thank God that the blessings of, of Abraham might come on the Gentiles that we, we Gentiles, might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Wow, what a powerful scripture. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. What is the curse of the law? It's poverty, it's sickness. We can go back to the law. It's poverty, it's sickness, and it's the second death. Amen. Are y'all here? And then if you're still confused about that, yeah, but am I really Abraham's seed or not? Then we go back to the scripture I quoted for you a while ago. The last verse of Galatians 3 says, if you belong to Christ, 
Paul knew somebody would say, yeah, but am I really, I'm a Gentile. Am I really got the blessings of Abraham? He said, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and your heirs according to the promise. So you have the blessings of Abraham on you, your heirs to the promise. And back to Luke 13, Jesus said, you ought to be loosed from the bondage of Satan. If Satan's messing with you and putting some kind of sickness and disease upon you, Jesus said, you're a daughter of Abraham. You're a, man, a son of Abraham. You ought to be loosed. You have the right to be loosed from the bondage of Satan. Y'all get anything out of this? Healing belongs to us, doesn't it? Healing belongs to us. Now, Deuteronomy 28, again, I love Deuteronomy 28 because it has a long list of the curses, but don't stop there. I, I, go, through, I go through all five books of the law. You know, the law is the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And, and I just go curse hunting. And I'll take me a red marker, and I'll just go through my Bible through Genesis, through Exodus, through Leviticus, through Numbers, through, through, through Deuteronomy, and look for curses. Because when I find one, I mark it, and I write out in my Bible, beside that, I put no, no, because it's a curse of the law. And because it's a curse of the law, therefore, I'm redeemed from it. I'm free from it because Jesus became a curse for me that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentile. That's me, that I belong to Christ, and I'm Abraham's seed, and I ought to be loosed. <clears throat> But anyway, they're listed here, and I'll give them to you in the list. But don't let this be the only list. Go get your own list out of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, as well as, uh, as well in Numbers, as well as Deuteronomy. Uh, 28, Deuteronomy 28, starting at verse 15 through 22. Then 27, 28, and 29. Then 34 through 61. All right? Deuteronomy 28, verse 15 through 22, 27 through 29, and 34 through 61 says that this is, this are, these are the diseases. Tuberculosis, fever, any kind of fever, hay fever, scarlet fever, rheumatic fever, etc. Inflammation or infection, burning, liver disease, hemorrhoids, but you never knew hemorrhoids are under the curse of the law, but they are. You don't have to have hemorrhoids. Itch, scratching, rash. Skin disease, madness, insanity, blindness, eye trouble, heart trouble, oppression, depression, leg tr trouble, knee trouble, open running sores, ulcers, sorrow of mind, doubt of your life, fear, no assurance for your life. Plus, verse 60 and 61 says, every disease that existed or was listed and every disease that Satan ever invents in the future is under the curse of the law. That's a partial list of what's under the curse. And you don't realize sometimes what you're redeemed from if you don't know what those curses are. If you didn't know that hemorrhoids are under the curse or scratches under the curse or itchings under the curse or an open sore, bleeding sore is under the curse, then you wouldn't know that you're redeemed from it. And if you don't know you're redeemed from it, then you can't take advantage of it and say, hey, I'm redeemed from that. Amen. When I was a missionary and living in Guadalajara, Mexico back in 1974, I believe it was 1974, they gave, I got a call one day from an aunt of mine in West Texas. And uh, I just picked up the phone and said, hello. And she just started in, didn't even say, hello, Terry, how are you? She just said, Terry, you've got to come home right now. Your grandmother's dying. 
and, and it squirted out of me. I didn't even think. It didn't come out of here. It came out of here. I said, that's a lie from the pits of hell. And then I stopped and her thought what she said and what I said. And so I said to her, I said, what did you say? Did you say she's dying or she's dead? And she said, she's dying and you've got to get home right now. She said, the doctors have put her in the hospital and uh, they've given her 20% chance to live through the night. And, you ne- and they're calling all the family in and you need to be here. And, uh, and I said, well, I can't be there tonight. And I said, but she's not going to die. I said, she won't die until I get there and give her permission to, or either I get there and get her healed, but either way, she's not dying now. And I said, you tell her that Terry said she's not going to die, that she's fine, and that I'll be there just as soon as I can get on an airplane and get there. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be there. But I said, I can't leave for a couple of three days. I've got some things going here I can't, I can't get loose from. So I got loose, you know, and went on up there in two or three days, and, and uh, a cousin of mine picked me up at the airport and drove me into into uh, the town where she was, which was Odessa, Texas. And uh, just driving into, into town all the time. I didn't even talk to my cousin and pick me up. I just said, greater is he within me than he that's within the world. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. The greater one indwells me. The greater one lives in me. When I walk in that hospital room, the greater one is in authority. The greater one is in charge. I'm not bowing down to sickness. I'm not bowing down to disease. I'm not bowing down to what somebody else said. I am in authority. I am in charge. I am in dominion. The greater one lives in me. Now, my cousin thought I was crazy, but it's okay. I'm not trying to impress my cousin. And so we get to the hospital. I walk in the hospital room. My mother's in there. One of my other aunts are in there. My grandmother's there in the bed. Now, she's got diabetes. And uh, i tell you how long ago this was, Mike. We used to call it sugar diabetes. So she had sugar diabetes, but now we'd say she had diabetes. And she had diabetes, and she had totally gone blind from it, so she had no sight. And uh, her kidneys were uh, almost completely shut down and were, just, and were shutting down. And the doctor said two days ago <laughs> she gets, has 20% chance to make it through the night. And so uh, I walked in, and she's laying there in the bed. She can't see me. She's blind. And uh, she's so weak, she can't hardly talk. She can just barely speak in a whisper. And I didn't walk in the room and say, Hey, Grandma, it's Terry. I love you. I'm, I've missed you. You're, you know, you're so sweet. I've just come up here. You know, but I just walked in the room, and I said, I said, It's Terry. Now tell me this. Do you want to die and go to heaven and be with Jesus and with Granddad, or do you want to live and go home and cook me something to eat like you're supposed to? See, I, I, we're not playing around here. I want to shock her. I want to get her attention. So I didn't have time to hug and kiss and, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you. Oh, no, please don't. You. you know. Do you want to die? I want to, what is your will? Do you want to die and go to heaven, be with Jesus and granddad? If you do, that's fine. Or do you want to get healed? Get up and get out of this room and go home and make me something to eat like you, like you ought to. And she just started crying. Just tears started coming out of her little eyes. And she said, Terry, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I said, that's all I wanted to know. I said, you're not going to die. I said, you're, you're going to be fine. I said, now I want you to listen to me. I don't want you to listen to anybody else. I said, I don't want you to listen to my mom standing right here. I don't want you listening to my aunt standing right here, your daughters. I don't want you to listen to the doctor. I want you to listen to me. You understand that? I said, they're not helping you. I'm going to help you. Is that right? I said, the doctors are not helping you. 
I'm for them. I'm not against them. They're just not, it's not working. And she said, all right, I'll, I'll do whatever you tell me to. I said, all right, say this. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And she said, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And I said, diabetes is under the curse. And she said, diabetes is under the curse. Blindness is under the curse. Blindness is under the curse. Kidney failure is under the curse. Kidney failure is under the curse. Jesus redeemed me from the curse. Jesus redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I'm free from it in the name of Jesus. Therefore, I'm free from it in the name of Jesus. I said, now let's say it again. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. And we went through the whole thing again. Now let's say it again. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Diabetes is under the curse. Blindness is under the curse. Uh, 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 Kidney failure is under the curse. Christ has redeemed me from it. Therefore, I'm free from it in Jesus' name. Let's say it again. And I don't know. We must have said it 20 times. I hadn't said hello yet. Finally, after about 20 times, I said, all right. I said, I'm going I'm to go to your house. And I said, I'm going to unpack my bags and wash up. And I'm going to grab something to eat. And I'll be back up here in, in a couple of hours. And I said, you have nothing else to do except say that. Don't watch TV. Don't talk to my mom and my aunt. You just say what I just had you say until I get back here. You don't need to do anything else. She said, okay. I left. I went to her house. I unpacked my stuff. I washed up. I got something to eat. Came back up there in a couple of hours. I said, you've been saying what I told you to say? She said, I must have said it a hundred times. Her voice is a little stronger now. She said, must have said it, must have said it a hundred times. I said, all right, let's just sit here and say it some more. So we just sat there and said it some more 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 and said it some more. Finally, bedtime came around. I said, I'm going to go to your house and go to sleep. I said, I'll be back up here in the morning. I said, anytime you're awake, I want you to say what we've been saying. If you can sleep, go ahead and sleep. But if you're awake, I want you to say what, what we've been saying. You don't have anything else to do. You're not, you're not going to go anywhere. And so she said, okay. And like I said, her voice was stronger. And uh, came back the next morning. Boy, her aunt was, my aunt was mad at me. My mom was mad at me. But you know, I just don't care. I love my mom. I love my aunt. But my grandma's dying. So if it's, if it's grandma's dying or make mom and aunt happy, right? Because we're, we're playing life and death. We're, we're, not just, we're not just messing around here. We're talking about the doctor says she's got 20% chance to live through the night, right? Next morning I come back up there and uh, her voice is stronger. The doctor's been in. He's excited. The nurses are excited. Her kidneys are working some more. She's putting out more urine. She's, uh, uh, she, she can actually see a little bit. Some light come to her eyes. Boy, they just don't know what to do. They're just all beside themselves. And I said, well, let's say it some more. So we sit there and said it some more and said it some more and said it some more. And uh, by the afternoon, her, her, her eyesight was back. She could see. Her, her kidneys were functioning. And uh, the doctors were just out of their, you know, they were all happy. And uh, I told her, I said, you know what? I think you're doing fine. I don't know if you're ready to go home or not, but if you are, I'll take you home. But otherwise, I said, uh, I've got some things I need to do, and I'm obviously not needed here, so I'm going to run, I'm gonna run uh, do a couple of things for a couple of days, and, and I'll, be, I'll be back in a couple of days. So she said, fine. I said, you just keep saying it. I left, came back in a couple of days. They sent her to the house. And uh, she had no, no diabetes. She had no kidney failure. She had her eyesight back. Everything was great. And it was great for 10 years. It, it took 10 years for her to die. 
after that. And then she told me, she said, she said Terry, I'm ready to go to heaven. Don't pray for me. <laughs> I'm ready to go see. Uh, she, she always called my granddad daddy. She said, I'm ready to go see daddy, and, and I'm ready to go see Jesus, and I don't want you praying for me. I said, okay. I said, you know, that's hard on me, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll let you do it. And uh, you know what? It made my mom and my aunt so mad. They actually came out in the hallway the next day when I went up there that next day and she was seeing and was better. Uh, actually went in the hallway with me yelling at me. And here's what they said to me. My mom and my aunt. They're both in heaven today, so they know better now. But uh, they said, Terry, I don't like what you did. We don't like what you did. I said, what don't you like? All I did is got her healed. They said, you pushed God in a corner. They said, you backed God in a corner and you made him obey his word and you made him do his word and you made him heal her. I'd rather see mother dead. I said, you're out of your ever-loving mind. I could care less what you think. I could care less whether you're mad or not. I didn't push God in a corner. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. I went in that hospital room and put him in remembrance of his word. And I'd been putting in remembrance of his word for, ever since I got the phone call for several days before I got here. And, and, and God honored his word and healed her. And you're mad about it. You just want to stand on some little religious principle that, so that you want to be mad and thinking I'm pushing God around. And I didn't push God around, but I could care less whether you're mad or not. She's alive and well, and you're just mad, so you'll get over it. Is that amazing? Religious devils. Just religious devils. I'd rather see mother dead, they said to me. Well, I'd rather get her healed. Amen. But see, all those diseases, all those diseases, blindness was one of them she had, eye trouble, heart trouble, all those kind of things, just, just begin to declare I mean, you're not having to make anything up. God said, just go look it up in the Bible. It's just there. You know, you're having some kind of a rash. Father, <laughs> this rash is under the curse. Christ redeemed me from the curse. Therefore, I, I'm free from it. I don't have to put up with it. This open running sore, this ulcer, this liver problem, this kidney problem, this eye trouble, this heart trouble, this whatever else it is. Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. By being made a curse for me, he hung on the cross for me. Paid for it in blood. You know, a lot of times us preachers and Christians will say, we'll say, oh, the Bible's full of precious promises. And, and I know what we mean when we say that, and I say it sometimes myself too, but I've said for years, it's really not, the Bible's really not full of promises. It's full of purchases. Jesus paid in blood. So they're not just promises. I don't have a problem with hang up with the word promise. I'm just saying they're actually purchases. He, he actually purchased our salvation purchased our healing with his own blood and by those stripes we in fact are healed do i have a time limit on this healing school are y'all all right I'm, I'm assuming since you said it's healing school it's probably a probably kind of short and it's already 740 y'all got a few more minutes i sure got a lot more scriptures but uh we can we can quit anytime anytime i see three people on the same row asleep then i just i quit But I love verse 61, verse 60 to 61, because it literally says that every disease that we just listed is under the curse. And then it goes on to say, and every disease that's not listed is under the curse. And that gives us carte blanche for the future. 
You know how every year the devil creates a new, comes up with a new flu. You know, we got swine flu and Asian flu and bird flu and this flu and that flu and some other kind of flu. And there's always something new coming down the pike, you know, and always some new killer and killer of the century and incurable disease and all. You know, that, that gives us carte blanche to say, no, he said every disease that's not listed here is under the curse of the law. And Christ has redeemed us from the curse. Therefore, we're free from it in Jesus' name. Amen. Somebody just needs to run around the house. Amen. Um, you remember back when 9-11 first did its thing and, and people started getting uh, packages of powder and packages of stuff in the mail and Congress and different things. And, you know, people were scared it was, it was you know, anthrax or it was ricin or, 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 or some of these different things like that. Uh, and, and it was quite a scare, if you'll remember, and we tend to forget those things, but it was quite a scare. And I walked into a church one day, right, right during that period of time, walked into a church to preach for a pastor friend of mine, and, and he had this real funny look on his face. And I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? Good to see you. I'm glad to be here tonight, you know. And he said, oh, Terry, man, it's been a strange day. It's been a strange day. And I said, what's going on? And he said, well, come here, look. And he took me to his office, and, and he, stood, he stands across the office and points to the table over in the corner. And, and, and there's, there's an envelope laying on the table. And I said, what am I looking at? And he said, we got this envelope today, and it's, it's got powder on the edges of it and stuff. I said, we, we're, we're, just, we're just scared. We don't know what it is. It could be some kind of disease. could be anthrax. could be something. We're trying to think, should we, should we call and report it? And I said, and I said so, so what you're telling me is you're scared? That's what you're telling me is you're scared, right? You're scared of that. And he said, he said yeah. And he said, what do you think we should do? You think we should call the... I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. And I walked over to it and grabbed it. I said, the word says that no plague comes down my dwelling. And I picked it up and ripped it open and did it like this over my head and just poured all that stuff out on my head. I said, the word says no plague comes down my dwelling, so I'm, I'm fine with it. Whatever you want to do, you just do it. But I'm, I'm good. He just about... He lost, about lost his lunch and his... Everything else you could lose, you know? But uh, I don't know what was in it. Still don't know what was in it. Don't care what was in it. God covered all that. He said, if we drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt us. He said, we take up servants. Jesus said that. Take up servants. They bite us. It won't hurt us. No evil. No, I love Psalms 91. I know it's Old Testament, but excuse me for getting excited over the Old Testament. Man, I'm just like... I'm just like the old farmer, Renee. You know, just hold, hold my plow lines while I shout. <laughs> Used to be an old farmer in Mississippi, faithful churchgoer. And he'd just shout. He'd just be in the pew every Sunday, every Wednesday. He'd just shout, glory to God, glory. Thank you, gee, I'm so thankful. And they got a new pastor in. It's a true story. Got a new pastor in. And the new, the new pastor just got unnerved every time this brother would shout. It just really unnerved him, just messed him up. But he just kept happening every service. And uh, so finally the new pastor went to the deacon and said, look, it's either him or me. He's either got to go or I'm going to go. We're not going to do this. And they said, well, let's go out and talk to him. I think we can talk some sense into him. So three deacons and the pastor went out to where his farm was, and they saw him out there plowing. He's got these horses, and he's out there plowing. 
And they walked out there, and he saw me. He said, oh, glory to God. He said, hello, pastor. Hello, brother so-and-so, brother so-and-so, brother so-and-so. Sister, glad you're here. I tell you, it's a beautiful day, and it's wonderful. Glory to God. Glory to God. And they said, well, now, look, we, here's what we came to talk to you about. They said, you know, it, it's just unnerving. Our new pastor, every time you sit in the pew and shout, he gets all, he loses his place, and he doesn't know what to do, and it just unnerves him. And we, we, he, he's, he's talking about leaving, and so we're just going to ask you to just tone it down and don't, don't shout in church. And he said, well, okay. He said, I'll do my, I'll do my best. But he said, you know, he said, every time I think of my farm and all this land God's given me, and I think of my wife and my kids, this big team of mules that I'm plowing with. Oh, there's my son. He's plowing with another. Oh, hold my plow lines. I got I to gotta shout. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So sometimes you just got to get somebody to hold your plow lines while you, while you shout. Amen. We, we, we are so privileged. We are, we are so, we, we're Christians. We're the people of God. We've got all these precious promises and precious purchases that, that there's no loopholes in. There's no, there's no deal in here that says, no, now this won't work on Tuesdays. This won't work, you know, if you're a woman. This won't work if you're this. This won't work if you're... No, 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 no. This is for everybody. Thank God, thank God, thank God. Nope. Psalms 91 says, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague. You know how many times I've shouted that, Mike, around the world? shouted that, screamed that at the devil when I'm in leper colonies and when I'm in, in infected places and in, in disease-ridden places and places I'm not supposed to be and just glory to God, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague comes nigh my dwelling, no evil befall me. Amen? Amen. You know, it just makes you shout. Makes you get excited. Makes you, makes you, I, I, you know, places I go, we're not playing games. It's, it's the real deal. You either... You either, <laughs> you know, the devil's there trying to kill you and you're there trying to bring life. And so, amen. I'm going to pray healing on this thing. Y'all still here? Y'all got me, y'all got me sidetracked with my, with my mule team there. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. One translation says to give you a future and a hope. God says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Don't tell me I want to kill you. Don't tell me I make you sick. I know the thoughts I have toward you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace. They're not of evil. Thoughts of good, not of evil. To give you an expected end, to give you a future and a hope. My, my desire for you is to have a, you have a good future and a good hope. Amen. That's what, we, that's what we tell our orphans all the time. We've got orphanages in India and orphanages in, in, in plural in India and in, in Romania and in uh, uh, different nations around the world that we have. In fact, y'all help us with them at Christmas time every year. In, uh, last year, we were able to give, uh, we gave what, Renee, $40,000 last year at Christmas time to, uh, to uh, 12 different homes in five different nations. You know, y'all sent us several thousand dollars. Other places sent us several thousand dollars. Put it all together, forty thousand dollars, and to send to send to twelve different orphan homes and homes that uh, 
at, uh, at Christmas time. It's just a blessing. Anyway, we tell all those kids that that's the scripture we use with them all the time. We say, God knows the thoughts He has towards you. He has thoughts of good towards you. He has plans of good towards you. He wants to give you a future and a hope. You now have a future and a hope. A future and a hope. You know, most of those kids don't have a clue when their birthday is. So, you know, over the years, whenever we'd get a kid in, I'd, I'd just sit down and say, ask them, you know, how old are you? And they tell me how, they think, how old they think they are. They don't know. And, well, you know when your birthday is? No, I don't know when my birthday is. So I just pick one. You know, I mean, I just drive, I, we make a file for them, and we say, okay, you know, uh, uh, your birthday is, uh, you know, February the 10th. And uh, you're, uh, you know, you don't know how old you are? Let me see your teeth. Let me look at you. You know what I mean? Okay. I think you're 10. You know, so we just create a file for him and tell him God's got a future. They don't even have a son. They don't even have a name. Renee is reading about one little orphan today that, that they called her number 27. Number 27. And her sister's name was number 26. You know, we give them, we give them names. We, we invent names. We invent birthdays. We, we invent, you know, because God wants good stuff for them. Some of those kids I've known so many years, I mean, since they were a little bitty, and now they're, some of them are in the ministry. Some, most many are married and got kids, and some got grandkids, and, you know, they're in India and in, in Romania and different places. And, and uh, some, of our, some of our older girls in Romania just this year took a big, big leap of faith, a big step of faith, and two of them went to, went to England and got jobs in England, you know, and uh, left Romania. Little orphan girls had their own, we got them their own business, had their own business, and, and they... Uh, they sold that out and, and went to England and started making their own way in England. And, you know, but, but uh, God wants them to have a future and a hope, a future and a hope, a future and a hope. I got to hurry up with this. Y'all aren't encouraging me too much to hurry up. So um, Exodus twenty three twenty five. he shall bless thy bread and thy water. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Verse, 20, verse uh, 23, uh, 26, I'm sorry. There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. What a wonderful scripture, ladies, for uh, uh, against having a miscarriage. Against having a miscarriage. I, you know, Jackie and I, my wife Jackie, that wrote the book Supernatural Childbirth, you know, and she's in heaven today. And actually, it's five years ago today that she went to heaven. But uh, she, uh, so many women around the world have had babies, and, and, and yet, so they, they come to us all the time and call us all the time. They still do, even though she's gone. You know, they call Renee and I and, and call the office all the time, wants to pray for babies. And people come up and show us their babies all the time, and we call them Jackie's babies, uh, that they've used her book and all those gobs of scriptures and gobs of scriptures. But so many of them say, you know, I've had, I've had four or five miscarriages, you know, and I just can't seem to have a baby. I, every time I get pregnant, I have a miscarriage. We give them this, we, we give them this scripture. There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in thy land. There shall nothing cast their young or be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Man, you can take that and just slap it right upside the head of miscarriage and say, no, no, no. The number of my days I will fulfill. There shall nothing cast their young. I'll not cast my young, and I'll not be barren. I will have a baby. I will not be sterile. I will not be barren. I will have a baby. You know, when Jackie and I were about to get married, and she came to me, and we were just wise old kids at the age of, of uh, wise old people at the age of 19, now out in West Texas, and she came to me in tears, and she said, you may not want to marry me when you hear this, but there's two things about me you don't know. She said, number one, I can't have children. 
And she said, number two, I'll be an invalid in a wheelchair by the time I'm 30 years old. And I know you're going to be a missionary and travel around the world. And you're going to have an invalid uh, for a wife that you're going to have to deal with when you're 30. And you'll never have any children. I know you want to have children. She's just crying and crying and crying. And I looked at her and it made me so mad. And I said, Jackie, who said? She said, what? I said, who said? Who told you those damnable lies? Who, who told you those lies? Who told you you couldn't have children? Who told you you'd be an, an invalid in a wheelchair? She said, well, the doctors have told me, my parents have told me, my pastors have told me. She said, everybody knows it but you. And I said, well, I've got good news for you. I said, I thought maybe somebody with authority had told you you couldn't have kids. But uh, I've got news for you. God said you can have kids. And she said, he did? And I said, absolutely. I said, God invented them in the Garden of Eden. He thought them up. He said, multiply and be fruitful. The Deuteronomy 7.13 says he'll multiply the fruit of your womb. Verse 14 says there'll be neither male nor female barren among you. Psalms 113 verse 9 says that he'll make the barren woman a keeper, a keeper of house and joyful mother of children. Psalms 127 verse 3, children of the heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb's uh, his reward in Psalms 128 verse 3 that my wife's fruitful vine by the sides of my house. My children is like olive trees around about my table. If you marry me, you'll have all the kids you want. And so we had four, two boys and two girls and, and got uh, eight grandchildren. And she was never uh, an invalid, never in a wheelchair. In fact, when she died five years ago today, there wasn't anything wrong with her at all. She just went to sleep and uh, went to sleep in Tulsa and woke up in heaven. And uh, I've got some things to talk to her about that. When I get to heaven, I'm not happy about that. And uh, she didn't have any business doing that. But, uh, she, but she wasn't sick. Anything wrong with her at all. But uh, I tell you what, she sure helped a lot of people have babies all over the world with these scriptures. Just some of these scriptures right, right here. That nothing shall cast their young or be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Second Chronicles sixteen nine. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards Him. Psalms ninety one seven. A thousand fall at thy side, ten thousand thy right hand. It shall not come near thee. Verse ten. There shall no evil befall thee, neither any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Verse eleven. He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep you in all of your ways. A double L all of your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot. Against the stone, Proverbs 4, 20 and 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, for they are life. They are life. They are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. Psalms 34, 19, many of the afflictions of the righteous, but many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them, a double L, all. I had a young man tell me when I was just a teenager. He said, Terry, he said, I'm just sick all the time. I, and, and I just don't know. I said, I know you are. I said, because I was a youth leader. I said, I know you're sick all the time. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. You're not ever going to be sick again. He said, oh, no, don't do that. He said, you know, you know, the Bible says many of the afflictions of the righteous. I said, and? He said, and what? I said, what's the rest of that scripture? He said, I don't know. I said, obviously. It says many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him. Out of them, a double L, all. I said, you're hung up that you're so righteous, you're being afflicted, you're not hung, but you don't know the rest of the scripture. It says you're not supposed to be. Amen. Verse 34, 20, he keepeth all his bones and not one of them is broken. You know, you can set your faith and believe God for you, your kids, your grandkids, that they won't have a broken bone. Isaiah 54, 5, surely he's borne our griefs and Kirk carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are in fact healed. Hebrews 1, 3, who being the brightness 
of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Jesus was the express image of God's person. Jesus always did the will of God. He never was out of the will of God. He always was in the will of God. He said, I don't do anything I don't see my father do. I don't say anything I don't hear my father say. And yet Jesus healed everybody that came to him for healing. He healed them all, A-double-L, all. He didn't heal some, a few. He healed them all, right? And so if he healed them all, then it must be God's will to heal them all. So it must not be God's will for anybody to be sick because it's his will to heal them all. Jesus healed them all, all the time, every time. I told you a story the last time I was here, the time before that, about meeting a lady. I was coming out of a church preaching for a pastor. I was coming out of the church one day after having lunch with the pastor, and this lady was coming in. She said, hello, Brother Terry. I've been enjoying the services. I said, well, I'm glad. That's good. She said, yeah, I'm just going in to see pastor for my deliverance session. I said, for your what? She said, my deliverance session. I said, your deliverance session? She said, well, yeah, I've got this spirit, and, and it's, 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 it's Tuesday, and it's time for my, time for my session. And I said, Session? Jesus didn't have sessions. Jesus didn't say, come on Tuesday for your session. Jesus cast out spirits with his word. Right? He didn't have sessions. I said, you know, you telling me that this is Tuesday, it's time for your session, tells me that you've probably had sessions before this. Oh, yeah, every Tuesday. And I said, and it also tells me you're probably going to have sessions after this. She said, oh, yeah, every Tuesday. And I said, well, I have one question for you, sister. And she said, what's that? I said, when do you get delivered? When does it work? I said, obviously, you're not expecting it to work today because you're already planning on being back next Tuesday. And you're not expecting it to work next Tuesday because you're already expecting to be back the Tuesday after that. So when do you get delivered? Hmm. Mama. Psalms 3420. Oh, I already read you that one. He keeps all his bones from being broken. It's good enough to read twice. Um, John 14, 9. He has seen me, has seen the Father. John 6, 38. For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 5, 19. The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Matthew 8, 17. Himself took our infirmities, bare our sicknesses. 1 Peter 2, 24. Who his own self on our bear... On, Excuse me, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were past tense healed. Matthew 4.23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness, all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. Verse 24, they brought to him all AWL, all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those that were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Now, he wouldn't have healed them if they hadn't brought them, right? Our job as the church is to bring sick people to church so Jesus can heal them. If we'll bring sick people to church, then Jesus will heal them. Then people will get to hear, and then, hey, people down there get healed, and then they'll come to church. Isn't that neat how that works? You know, I was at a church one time, a big church in, in Tampa, Florida. 
years ago. And they picked me up at the airport and they was driving me to the hotel, you know. And, and every now and then as we was driving along, they'd say, there's one of your posters, Brother Terry, we put up. And I'd see this poster, you know, and they'd drive on. There's another poster. There's another poster. Then we got to the hotel and they said, oh, there's posters here on the window. And I looked at it, you know, and it's, you know, come see a man sent by God, you know, uh, the lame walk, the deaf hear, the, you know, blind see, come, you know, blah, 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 Jesus will heal you, and, and all this kind of stuff. And so they did a good job putting all that stuff up. And uh, I was only going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, and so when I got in church the Sunday morning, it was just electric. I mean, those people, if you just move, they, they shouted. I mean, they were, they were ready. And I mean, if the music people did something, boy, they, they went wild. If the pastor got up and said something, they went wild. So then the pastor got up and introduced me, and he's, I tell you, this is a man that's raised the dead. And here, they just went wild over that. And he's cast out devils, and they went wild over that. And you blind eyes, and they went wild over that. I mean, everything he said, they just, man, they're just wild. And so finally, he introduced me and got me up. And boy, they cheered and shouted and yelled and clapped and carried on. And, and uh, so I took the pulpit, you know, and I said, well, I, I tell you, I know you're excited. And boy, they shouted over that. And I said, I've seen the posters you guys put. Yeah, they shouted over that. And I thought, man, this, this is, this, I'm not going to be able to preach because they're just going to. And so finally I said, you know, um, pastor said we're going to have miracles. Boy, they shouted and got excited. And I said, and I certainly believe in miracles. And they shouted and got excited. I said, but we're probably not going to have too many miracles this morning. And that kind of brought them down a little bit. And I said, in order to have miracles, we need people that need miracles. I've always said the only prerequisite for getting a miracle is needing one. And I said, you know, if somebody needs one, then they can, they're, they're eligible to get one. But if we don't need one, then we, we don't get one. And I said, so what, I, what I'd like to do is preach to you this morning. And I said, and then tonight, I'd like for you to bring sick people. And I said, if you'll bring sick people, bring blind people, deaf people, lame people, bring whatever you can find, you bring them, and God will have a chance to heal them. We'll have a chance to have a real miracle service tonight. And they shouted and cheered, and then I went on and preached a good message. And uh, so that night, they, they actually, I didn't think they'd do it. That night, they brought sick people. I mean, they, they went out and found folks, and they brought them in. We just had miracles and miracles and miracles. And one little boy I remember very particularly, they brought him to me, and they said, Brother, Brother Terry said, this, this little boy is, is uh, eight years old. And uh, said when he was born, his testicles never dropped out of his body into his scrotum, into his sac. And he's going to have surgery this week. The doctors this week are doing surgery to, to rectify that. And so uh, we, we found him and, and, and asked the parents if we could bring him. And, and uh, would you pray for him? I said, well, sure, I'll pray for him. And uh, I prayed for that little guy. And God did a miracle and made him completely normal. And those testicles dropped. And uh, they took him to the doctor the next day, and the doctor said, he's absolutely perfect. There's no reason for surgery. Just a creative miracle of Almighty God. But see, it took the, it took the they to go get them, you know, and bring them back. See, that's not, that's not pastor's job. That's, 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 the, that's the church's job. And you go out and start bringing people in that are sick and go start telling people, hey, people at our church are getting healed right and left, and pretty soon it creates, a, it, it, it creates a crowd, and a crowd creates a crowd. Isn't that right? And God is able to heal people and bless people and do stuff. And uh, that's how that thing works. That's why we have so many miracles overseas because I get thousands and thousands and thousands of people in my crusades. You know, I've had crusades as little as 10,000 people and I've had them as big as 50,000 people and I've had them in, the, I mean, 100,000 people and I've had them as in the middle with 50,000 and 30,000. And, and, you know, we, when you get that many people, there's going to be some sick folks there. And so when there's some sick folks there, then you, you have an opportunity for God 
to do miracles. That's like that crusade in Honduras I was telling you about. I just couldn't imagine there's that many blind people in the world. They just kept getting healed every night. It's like, why are all these people blind? And they just kept bringing them and bringing them and bringing them. God opened their eyes and opened their eyes and opened their eyes. But you know, had there not been a blind person there, that would have not happened. So thank God it's always the faithful they that hook up in partnership with the pastor in the church and get the people in to do all the wonderful, marvelous miracles. Amen. Jesus went about all Galilee, I'll read it again, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And they brought to him all, A.W.L., all sick people that were taken with divers, divers diseases. Listen to these terrible diseases and torments. Can you imagine bringing a tormented person? A tormented person, you know, they'll claw themselves. They'll scrape their skin. They'll pull their hair out. You know, we lock them away. In America, we lock them away. But they'll, 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 they'll bite themselves. They'll hurt themselves. They're tormented. But here they brought to Jesus tormented people. They brought people with divers diseases, with torments, those which were possessed with devils. And most Americans have never seen a demon-possessed person because the definition of demon-possessed is possessed of the devil. So they're not in their right mind. They're not doing their own thing. The devil possesses them, right? And so trying to bring them to church is not an easy thing, but they did it. They brought them to Jesus, and he healed them. And those that were lunatic, it says. Have you ever seen a lunatic? And those that had the palsy couldn't walk, and he healed them. Man, that's powerful. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. The leper came to Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, and he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. In verse 3, Jesus touched him and said, I will. I will. Be thou made clean. I've got a lot more scriptures here, but it's 8 o'clock. I think I'll quit. But uh, I've got three more pages of scriptures, so it would take me a while. Plus, y'all notice I get off on a rabbit trail every now and then. So a scripture reminds me of a miracle. So uh, get those scriptures. Watch the church's Facebook feed. Write them down or get the CD. Write them down. Take, take the CD to somebody in the hospital. They don't have anything better to do in the hospital than listen to healing scriptures, healing scriptures, healing scriptures, healing scriptures, healing scriptures, and uh, get them healed. We, we, the church, have to remember we're the only entity on the planet. Just stop and think about that. Now, now Hollywood tells us we're not important. Washington, D.C. tells us we're not important. Everybody else tells us we're not important. But the church is the most important entity on the planet, and we're the only entity on the planet that can raise the dead. Isn't that right? We're the only entity on the planet that can raise the dead. They can heal the sick. They can open blind eyes. The name of Jesus on your lips can raise the dead. The name of Jesus on your lips can cast out a devil. You remember what, 20 years ago maybe, so something like that, that 24 was popular. You know, Jack Bauer, you know, uh, what's his name? Um, what's the actor's name that did Jack Bauer? Yeah, Kiefer Sutherland. Thank you. Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer. And I mean, I mean, all my word of faith... Friends just were into that, including me. I enjoyed it myself. Jackie and I watched it. And, uh, but, I mean, you know, we'd sit around. I mean, the Copelands would talk about it. The Savells would talk about it. The Prices would talk about it. The, you know, all, all my friends, is, everybody's into Jack Bauer. And the Price family, Fred Price down here at Crenshaw Christian Center, his whole family, everybody, got together and watched 24 and watched Jack Bauer. They just thought it was great. And they'd talk about it, talk to me about it. 
And uh, so I preached there every year. So this one particular year I was there and I stood up and I said, I said, the time, I, said I know that, that uh, this whole church is into Jack Bauer and into 24. And I said, and they all clapped and cheered. And I said, I know my dear friends, the Price family sitting there on the front row. They're all into, the, into Jack Bauer. And I said, that's cool. I, said, I like him too. And uh, I said, but today my sermon title is what I have done and can do that Jack Bauer has never done and can't do. And I did this whole sermon on raising the dead. I said, Jack Bauer's never raised the dead. He can't raise the dead. I've raised the dead numbers of times. I can still raise the dead. He, 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 he'll never be able to raise the dead. Open blind eyes. Jack Bauer's never opened you know, a blind eye. I've had thousands and thousands of blind eyes open. You know, I just went through this whole sermon. Because, see, we, we forget that the church can do those things. We get excited over some phony on, t- on TV. You know, an actor, by, by definition, is a fake. I mean, I'm for them. I, I like watching them. They entertain me. But I'm just saying they're not, they're not real. The only real one was John Wayne, you know. And, uh, and, and you young people don't even know who that is. But, but they told John Wayne one time, they said, you know, Mr. Wayne, you're so great and you're, you're just a hero. And he said, I'm not a hero. I'm an actor. He said, I act like a hero. I act like a cowboy. I act like a gunslinger. I act, I'm not on the real one. And we, we forget sometimes that those people aren't real, but these people are. And you, church people, the name of Jesus on your lips. I mean, just little old church folks down here in Orange County, California, the name of Jesus on your lips can raise the dead. And they want us to forget that and, not tell, and tell us that we're not important, but we're the only entity on the planet that can cast out a devil. We're the only entity on the planet that can stop terrorism. I'm for the military. I'm pro-military. I'm a veteran myself. I'm pro-military. I'm pro-police. But they can't stop terrorism. It's a spirit. It's a demon. You know, we can, we can fight any military in the world. We can fight any army in the world. We've got the best army on the planet. We can beat anybody. But, but yet we can't stop one guy with a dirty bomb walking across the border. We've got a porous border in the south. We've got a porous border in the north. We've got an ocean on two and a half sides. You can't stop some guy coming in here with a dirty bomb. But the church can. Because it's a spirit. And the church has the authority and the dominion over demon spirits. You're a lot more powerful than you think you are. This church is a lot more powerful than you think it is. And we're going to have to get back and reminding people that the church is the biggest, most powerful entity on the planet. You know, tomorrow morning... Monday morning, there will be more money deposited in banks all over the nation and all over the world by churches than anybody else. I mean, how many churches are in Orange County? I mean, Baptist, Methodist, I mean, every kind. Well, there's thousands of churches in L.A. and all these towns around here from Santa Ana to Anaheim to, I mean, in Mexico, in Canada, churches tomorrow morning are going to the bank and going to deposit more money than Bill Gates ever deposited. But we don't think about that. We think about our little hundred or our little 200 or our little 500 or our little whatever we have and think well, that's all we are. No, 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 no. We, we're the biggest deal going. Amen. Well, stand up with me. Did you get something out of all that? If I'm going to just keep talking, I might as well give you the rest of these scriptures. So I'm, I, need to, I need to just hush. Praise the Lord.
Jason, you want to take that? Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you, Father, for healing. All those healing scriptures that I gave, and, and even those I didn't get to, they're, they're powerful. They're, they're absolutely life-changing. There's, there's no limits to them. There's no, there's no qualifications to them. There's no, there's, no things there's no expiration date to them. Your word tells us bluntly and plainly that God heals. God saves that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, should not, should not perish. They are perishing every day, but they should not. But they should have everlasting life. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing A-double-L, all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. What a powerful scripture. That by his stripes ye were healed. By his stripes ye were, you are healed. That the blessings of Abraham come on the Gentiles. Both the Jews and the Gentiles receive that great blessing of Abraham in healing and wholeness and soundness and raising the dead and casting out devils. Thank you, Father. I give you the glory. The praise, the power, the honor, the majesty, and dominion in Jesus' name. And we give you the glory. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. I would like you to do, since I know we don't have a huge uh, crowd or, or, a, or a huge miracle type crowd here tonight. I, I would like you to allow me to do something. If you would uh, come down to the front, everybody, 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 just come down to the front and line up all the way, however far you go, just line up. Nobody behind anybody else, just shoulder to shoulder. Praise the Lord. Renee, could I have that? Or Jason, grab me that bottle of water, would you? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. I'd like you, if you can just kind of just, just stretch out as far as you can. I'd rather not anybody be behind anybody. If, if you are, then, then I'd like you to get far enough back to have two distinct.